This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio today. I'm joined by uh, my good friend, John Beeler. We've got an awesome program. We're going to talk about uh, the world of apps as we always do. Uh, ECG, electrocardiograms. You can now get one on your Apple Watch. Uh, that feature is now available for the latest Apple Watch Series 4. We'll tell you all about that. We've got Patrick O'Rourke from Mobile Syrup on the line to uh, give us the lowdown on that. We'll also be talking about emulation and the cool kind of apps and programs you can run on little tiny mini computers called Raspberry Pis. These are one of the best-selling computers in the world. These little mini circuit boards that you can get a case, a power supply, keyboard and mouse for. You can do amazing things with it for under 100 bucks. We're going to give you all the details on how that all works as well. We also have our Hot 5 uh, app countdown as well. What is it this week, John? It's the top five apps for teachers as they're getting ready to go back to school. <laughs> yeah. More margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> meditation yes. uh okay that's that's pretty cool uh let's talk about some of the uh the app news right now so a lot of delivery services happening we've got uber eats we've got skip the dishes is probably the big one uh here in vancouver there's also doordash as well yes. and a bit of a controversy going on with that a little bit yes so uh typically when you use one of these services one of the nice things is, is that you when you place your order you can basically uh uh choose what you want, your destination, and it just shows up at your door. When they leave, you can actually leave a tip all through the app. You don't actually have to interact uh, with the with the, the driver uh, other than to take the bag from them. Uh, it turns out that these drivers were getting paid a certain amount, and if you tipped the money on DoorDash, DoorDash would actually deduct your tip from their salary and basically supplement their salary with your tip. So if you had a $6 delivery and you tipped $2, DoorDash would actually only pay $4, take your tip, and the driver would make $6. Which he was supposed to make in the first place. Right. So he was actually supposed to make 8 Yes. So 6 for the, the, the service and then 2 for the tip from you. How, how? That makes no sense to me. It sounds illegal to me. And it might be in certain just, jurisdictions. It just sounds shady. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really bad. So uh, I guess the takeaway here, no pun intended, is that you should give cash tips if your driver is good or if it's someone you see all the time if you're ordering a lot from these services. Uh, but yeah, it's it, DoorDash has since said that they will make adjustments due to huge public outcry. Shock, no shock, um, because this does sound shady, like you said. And so they're going to be basically making sure that those drivers actually get their tip money. Let's talk about homelessness now. And this is, a, a, I think, a neat story. There's a, a Toronto uh, company uh, that have designed a app an app to help homeless folks. Uh, the company is called Ample Labs, and the app is called, and I'm hopefully pronouncing this right, Chalmers. Sure. C-H-A-L-M-E-R-S. It's a web-based app design. You can uh, either access it on a computer or a smartphone. And it's uh, aimed at the Toronto market right now. And the stats are are, are awful. They, they say they've got about 8,000 Toronto homeless folks and as many as 160,000 at risk of losing their housing. So this app, uh, using artificial intelligence and you know the different connections, can actually help uh, you know people at risk or homeless people uh, find things as uh, 
simple as the closest free meal, a clothing bank uh, or a drop-in program, uh, and, and even social services uh, as well. It sounds like this is basically an aggregate of all these other services that were all disparate and separate. So you can go to one place to sort of get all your information you need. And you know, sometimes these folks, if they have a, a smartphone, that's great, and they're looking for Wi-Fi at a coffee shop, or they go to some place where they can use a computer, um, they don't have a lot of time to sit there and Google how to find all this stuff. And so this is, sounds like a really great opportunity for them to be able to quickly find all this stuff. And it is hyper-local to Toronto right now, but I could see this expanding across Canada. I, I think this is amazing, and I, I do hope it does spread to other cities. Uh, and uh, again, it's called Chalmers, uh, an app designed by a nonprofit uh, company called Ample Labs to help people who are homeless or at risk of being homeless uh, get connected with the right services to to get them uh, on the right track. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, we'll be following that uh, story definitely. Uh, other interesting stuff uh, in the uh, app uh, worlds. Uh, there's uh, an app uh, being developed by uh, Alphabet's uh, side company called Wing, and Alphabet is Google's parent company. They have all sorts of crazy, fun tech companies that they experiment with. So this one uh, is called Wing, and it's launching an app to manage traffic for drones. So it's like an air traffic controller for all the drones that uh, are coming in our future. Right, because every delivery service seems to be testing drone delivery as an option. And this is definitely something that your traditional air traffic control is probably not set up for. Uh, So having an app that can actually manage these things, and this is probably something that these drone services would be talking to to help make sure that they're, you know setting up flight paths and all that kind of stuff so we don't have any uh, Amazon slash uh, FedEx air, mid-air collisions uh, with these drone delivery services. So the app is called Open Sky and it's actually been approved to manage drone flights in Australia. And it's free. And so, uh, again, this is the company Wing, part of Alphabet, which is also Google's parent company. And uh, they were actually approved to launch uh, the first public drone delivery service uh, in Australia uh, earlier this year as well. So it's coming. And, you know, I think it's a bit longer than everyone thought it would be because I still don't think they've worked all the kinks out. And I don't think the technology is totally there yet for delivery service. Like, I just still do not see how a drone will be able to deliver something to my backyard. There's so many different variables happening from trees to weather to crazy kids with slingshots or pellet guns. Well, the the most interesting delivery service option I saw was this, uh, again, it was like a patent that one of the main companies had submitted. What if you live in a big uh, tower, right? So you're on the 24th floor. What if your delivery would actually drop off your package on your balcony? I don't see that happening. I, I can see so many things going wrong with that. Right. Because, you know, especially in the downtown core uh, where there's a lot of skyscrapers, all the, you know, all the wind yeah. and, and drafts going around. Like these drones, I mean, they've got to be pretty powerful to really, you know, navigate that. And then to, to precisely deliver a package onto a balcony. And what there's, again, so many things that can go wrong with that. And where does that drone go? Yeah, if it fails, if you're lucky, it crashes on the balcony, and if you're not lucky, which is probably more likely, that thing is crashing to the ground and whatever's below. Right, along with your package. Along with your package. So, again, I, I just don't see how that's going to be a thing anytime it, it soon. It almost seems like uh, a solution to a problem that we don't have. Yeah, 
it's a nice idea and to, you know, having drones fly over traffic and stuff like that. But really, can I wait another day for my delivery? Probably. I currently do now. Well, I just think about my backyard right now. There's trees everywhere. Yes. I've flown a drone in your backyard. Yes. It's hard. Yes. And it's a little drone. You yeah. had a little drone. Yeah. I can imagine having a package a big, attached. A drone big enough to drop off a pair of shoes. Right. Or some grocery item. Well, even then, these drone services, there's got to be a weight limit to whatever your package is too, right? Yeah. But Amazon, you know, they're obviously really anxious about developing this. They said that uh, a vast majority of their packages, I forget the weight, but, you know, under five kilograms or something that a drone can carry. Right. But they usually put it in a giant box with a lot of bagged (laughs) air things, right? Or peanuts. I guess they're going to put these things in like giant bubble wrap. Right. (laughs) And just drop it onto onto your lawn and hopefully you don't take out the dog. Uh, let's talk about Netflix uh, now. Netflix is in an interesting time of their life. Yes. I, I'm actually quite impressed with them. Over the years, they have not only survived, but thrived. Yes. Remember back in the day, they were a DVD rental company, a mail order yeah. company. Yeah. I never used them. Did you? When I did use them. Yeah. 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 They were great. Was it appealing? Did it work? Well? At the time when yeah. that was the only option? Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is when they were really popular as a DVD delivery service, uh, they really weren't quite in Canada yet. There was other services in Canada that offered yes. the same kind of thing. But then once they went streaming, it was, you know, all all gloves off. It was so great. So the challenge for Netflix now is that they they migrated or evolved from the, the DVD mail order rental to actually a streaming service where they bought content, right. licensed content. So they licensed content from Paramount and Sony and Disney but the trouble now is all of those companies are developing their own streaming services or, or are partnered with companies. Because Netflix was so successful. Exactly, right? And so the content is drying up. So Netflix, again, smart, started really pushing to develop their own content. And it's, it's crazy how many billions of dollars they spend a year on content. It's billions. Yeah. It, it's, it's enormous. So, you know, everything from movies, uh, you know, House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, you know, there's like hundreds of different shows and movies they've developed now and it's good stuff it's great stuff there's some crappy stuff uh but they're not their their growth isn't as going as fast as it used to right because of the competition that exists and is coming uh they've actually confirmed now they're launching a mobile only plan streaming plan in india because you know that country obviously poorer than a lot of the other countries uh, in the world uh, still have an appetite for content. Uh, so this mobile streaming or mobile only streaming service, you can't connect your mobile device to a TV or anything with it uh, under $5 a month. Which makes sense because I'm still shocked whenever we travel anywhere in the world, how much people watch content on their phones only. A lot of people do. We're going to have to take a break. Uh, when we come back here on the App Show, we're going to look at the new Apple Watch Series 4 ECG feature. If you have uh, you know heart issues or concerned about your health or know someone who is, this is a, a great new feature that takes heart monitoring to the next level. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Let's talk about health and the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch Series 4 has a very interesting feature that uh, is now available in Canada. You actually will be able to take an ECG, an electrocardiogram, right from your watch. On the line to uh, explain why this might be a good thing and and how it all works, we've got our mobile expert, Patrick O'Rourke from MobileSyrup.com. Thanks for joining us, Patrick. 
Thanks for having me. Uh, so this has uh, been a while coming. I, I believe the feature has been available in other countries uh, before Canada. Yeah, it launched first in the U.S. when the Series 4 first came out. Um, and at the time, Apple told me that the plan was to bring it to other regions in the future. But um, this is the first actual confirmation, like the feature's finally out. Uh, before now, it's really just been rumors and speculation. And there's been quite a few Health Canada filings related to it that people have uncovered. Um, but it's, it's finally here, and it's, it's finally out. Any uh, idea as to why it took so long to come to Canada? I think because it's uh, their actual medical features. Um, to my understanding, uh, Health Canada typically kind of follows the FDA's lead, um, but they still also do their own individual studies as well. Um, so I, I think it was just a matter of, of going through the, the processes to get it to get it here. So uh, what can this do for someone who has an Apple Watch Series 4? So there's the, the main feature is the ECG app. Um, it's pretty easy to use. It's now available directly on the Apple Watch's home screen. So that's sort of when you, you tap the digital crown and you go to this uh, home screen that you can pull in and out. So it'll be an app right there specifically for the ECG app. Um, you launch it. Uh, I believe it takes 30 seconds, but you also have to place your finger on the digital crown and it creates uh, like a closed circuit. Um, and what the app does is it tests for arterial fibrillation, AFib, um, and that's whether or not you have an, an irregular heart rate, so it gives you different results. And I think the key thing that uh, Apple's emphasizing with this is it's not meant to um, really diagnose whether or not you have uh, a problem like that with your heart. It's meant to be a tool that you then take this information uh, to your doctor, sort of like the first stage in that process. And uh, again, this isn't something people have to pay extra for. It's just uh, available in the latest update. No, it's part of WatchOS 5.3. Um, it's just like a standard update. I think Apple also fixed uh, a pretty glaring flaw with the walkie-talkie app that's included uh, with the latest version of WatchOS that allowed um, users to sort of, depending depending on how they use the app specifically, there's a lot of steps that go into it, but potentially allows people to uh, kind of eavesdrop on, on other people that were also using uh, the walkie-talkie app. The wearable uh, market is uh, is quite big and, and obviously growing as people become uh, more wealth, uh, more aware of these uh, these uh, technologies to actually monitor their health. Do you think this gives uh, Apple a leg up over the competitors like the Fitbits of the world? Yeah, to my understanding, it's something that's not really included in in the Fitbit. Um, I mean, Apple watches are very expensive. Uh, there's other far cheaper small smart watches out there, um, but I think this is pretty indicative of Apple's pivot the health over the last couple of years with the Apple Watch. I think when the device first launched, Apple wasn't really sure what it was going to be used for, whether it was a companion for the Apple Watch or eventually it was going to evolve into like a standalone thing um, where it was a replacement for your for your, uh, your iPhone. Um, I think over the last couple of years, they've really pivoted towards fitness after seeing the success of Fitbit. And this is another example of that. Um, but it definitely does give them an advantage over some of their competitors for sure because it's, it's unique functionality that, to my understanding, you really can't get anywhere else. <laughs> I wonder, uh, you know, all the doctors listening right now, if they're uh, saying this, you know, thinking that is this a good thing or just kind of, uh, you know, face palming themselves, imagining all the people coming in self diagnosing themselves <laughs> with <laughs> yeah, heart, heart issues. That was something. That was, that was definitely something that I thought of too, because I mean, Apple is pretty quick to emphasize that this isn't meant to diagnose this problem. It's like, it's a tool that people can use. 
So it would be really interesting to hear um, a doctor's perspective on that, whether they think that's useful. Because um, you could be right. There might be people just showing up at a doctor's office saying that uh, they tried this app five times, uh, this feature five times, and once of those five times it gave them this weird result. Do I have a problem? Um, so I, I think that's definitely something that uh, we're gonna we're gonna see happen. Have they talked about the accuracy of, of these uh, ECGs? Uh, Apple released a white paper where they did pretty um, extensive studies, which I was actually actually surprised about. Um, I think they kind of needed to do that to get the FDA approval, and then in terms the health in terms the, the Health Canada approval as well. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the success rate is, but I know they did a fair amount of testing, real world testing as well with it. Is this is this feature appealing to you? Um, I mean, I I don't think it's something that I would use. I know that I don't have any diagnosed heart conditions, but I I did try it out. Um, I think it's pretty cool that you can kind of do those preliminary initial tests on your own without expensive equipment now. Um, But personally, I use my Apple Watch more for notifications rather than um, the the sort of more health-focused features like step counting, exercise tracking. Uh, But I think that's a very specific Patrick use case. Um, (laughs) So that's not to say that other people out there might not get uh, something out of it. We're talking with our good friend Patrick O'Rourke from MobileSyrup.com about the latest Apple Watch feature. You'll now be able to take uh, an ECG right from your watch and uh, get those results over to your uh, iPhone. Again, just available for the latest Apple Watch, the Apple Watch Series 4. It won't work on uh, previous uh, versions. I want to thank you for joining us today, Patrick. No problem. Thanks for having me. So much more to talk about here on the program today. When we come back from the break, it's the Hot 5 App Countdown. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio, joined uh, today by John Beeler, our app expert. Before we get to our Hot 5 App Countdown, which is uh, Hot 5 apps for uh, teachers. Yes, back to school is coming. We've, We've got some apps that might help you. Uh, before we get there, it's that time. iPhone tip of the week. Unleash the power of your iOS device. What do we got this week, John? This is something that I could have used so many times. Have you ever been using calculator and messed up an yeah. entry? Yeah. Did you know you can actually swipe in the results field at the top? To the, if you swipe to the right, it'll undo that entry. Get out. Yeah. That's that, going to change my life. I, I, use, I use the calculator app all the time. I, don't, I do too, yeah. And so I always have to go down, hit the C, clear, clear, do the whole thing again. Yep. So, so just swipe right. Swipe from right to left. Okay. And it will undo, in the results, like where your numbers are at the top. Yeah. Uh, it will basically be an undo for the last thing you entered. It's going to change my life. I think so. I, it's changing mine right now. I mean, I, it's like, <laughs> this so is, awesome. it's so, such a simple thing, but this is classic Apple. They have so many interesting little features and things built in that they don't document until some nerd finds it. Yeah. Like where do you even find that? I don't know. Some, someone figured it out. Found it on the internet. Accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let's move on to, uh, helping our teachers out. The weekly app hot five. So this week we're uh, talking about, uh, the hot five back to school apps specifically for teachers. I know there's lots out there, so we've put a few together that we feel might might help you. Uh, and again, we'd always love to hear from you if uh, you've got some uh, other ones uh, as well. Uh, the first one, uh, number five, is Kahoot. 
Yes, this is free with in-app purchases for both platforms, and it can turn your boring lesson plan into an exciting game show that every student can participate with uh, in this game called Kahoot. Simply upload your pre-prepared questions and answers and have students join in on the fun of answering them using their individual smartphones. So if, if they're allowed to use their smartphones. Well, that's what I was like. Do people actually let them use them in the class? I think they do, yeah. Or I'm they, always, I'm still amazed yeah. that kids are allowed to have their phones on in the class. How do you do tests with that? You just can't have them out. Right. Yes. So you can have your AirPods in and just get Siri to do <laughs> exactly. some searching or secret little, Yeah, secret little earbuds. Uh, we're talking about the hot five back-to-school apps for teachers today. Uh, let's look at number four. It's TrackCC. This is uh, available for Android and iOS. Uh, track grades and attendance all in one place. Uh, this app offers an intuitive interface, allowing you to track your students' grades and classroom attendance. You can then actually share this information with students and parents, probably the most important part, and parents through the app. It's amazing technology. Back in my day, a few years ago, John. Mine as well. Yes. Uh, you know, you, you really didn't have a good handle as a parent, I feel, like as to, you know, the report cards and, you know, if if your kid was absent. I guess I guess they phoned back Right. In the day. But now, like, you know, my daughter's high school, you know, I'm getting automated calls like yeah. an hour after she hasn't shown up for class, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to track her down. And then, you know, there's a portal for me to see all the kids' port- report cards as well. It is fantastic. Uh, let's move on here. We're talking about the Hot 5 Back to School apps for teachers. Number three, we've got Ed Educrations. Educrations. <laughs> Ed, yeah, that's hard to say. Ed, Educrations. It's for yeah. iOS. Right. So this app allows you to create interactive whiteboard lessons. You can record your lessons with narration, diagrams, and simple animation, and then share them via email, Facebook, or even Twitter, which still boggles my mind that in this day and age, as a student, as a teacher, you're using these social media platforms for educational purposes. Well, it works, I guess. Yeah. I guess it works. You know who we should have talked to about these apps before we came up with this? We have a, a great listener. His name's Peter uh, Vogel. Yes, uh, who's a teacher. Who's a teacher, and he's probably listening to these apps going... He's shuddering. He's shuddering, right? <laughs> There's like 20 other apps that are, are, are better than this, but uh, let's move on here. Uh, number two, we've got Remind, and this is for iOS and Android. Remind is a uh, great way to communicate in real time with both students and parents. You can make class announcements, initiate group chats, or contact people privately through the app. Messages, which can contain files, images, and links. Uh, messages can also be translated into over 90 languages. That's cool. Yeah. Just with the makeup of, uh, you know, a lot of the urban centers here uh, in Canada, Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, uh, that would be very handy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, impossible, which makes it possible to communicate with parents whose first language isn't English. That's something I never even thought about. No, that is a fantastic feature. Yeah. Okay. Number one. This, this is almost too easy. Yeah. Uh, number one is Google Drive. It's the ultimate place to share all of your, you know, your office documents, uh, files. If you need to create some photos or some kind of thing for your art class, being able to have a, a place that you can share both ways, you can limit who has access to it. Uh, generally, you get a free account if you just have a Gmail account. And it basically is what I use for all of my stuff. I, everything from uh, anything professional to uh, personal, if I need to share something with somebody or a group of people, I use Google Drive. That's the number one hot five app for teachers uh, going back to school. 
this fall. We still have a lot more to talk about on the program. Later on, uh, we will be doing our game app of the week and also John's favorite app. These are always really good, actually. And we will be talking about uh, mini computers and the the apps that you can use on them and specifically Raspberry Pis. These are these little computers that are under a hundred bucks and we'll find out more back after this. You are back with the app show. Mike and John here. I want to talk about uh, mini computers and some of the fun things you can do with them. Uh, I've been using uh, what are called Raspberry Pis, not the kind you eat, but little uh, computer boards that actually have a processor and memory and USB ports and Uh, HDMI ports so you can hook them up to monitors and TVs. They've been out for a few years now. They've just come out with the latest one, the Raspberry Pi 4. Canakit.com, actually out of North Vancouver, uh, very gracious, sent us over a box uh, of uh, the latest ones. And I'm so excited to try try these. these we get a lot out. of stuff, but this <laughs> Raspberry Pi stuff makes us both really excited. I know. It's like so nerdy. Yeah. And my wife looks at this and goes, oh my God, you were like such a geek. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, you got to put these things together. But the, the nice thing is uh, Canakit, and again, Canakit.com, uh, they actually have, I guess, bundles or packages where they, they put it together for you. I mean, you still got to put it together, which it's pretty simple. Yeah, uh, you're, but not, you're not soldering anything or anything. No. It's just all plugging cables and if stuff you, If you can do Lego, you can put <laughs> put this together. Yeah. Uh, but in the kit, I think, you know, they start at what, about 79 bucks? Yeah, for the latest one, it just, just really depends on what you want. Uh, yeah. But the, the new models that they have are super powerful compared to the pre- predecessors. And you can actually choose different configurations of it, which is a first for, the, for this particular model as well. So, you know, for 79 bucks, you get a Raspberry Pi 4, the latest one. You also get uh, a memory card to, to store things uh, on it. Uh, comes, uh, I think that one comes at one gigabyte of RAM, right. but you can go up to four gigabytes. You can get a model for that. Two HDMI out ports. You can actually hook up two monitors to this little thing. and the In the, 4K. In 4K. And the computer, again, the, the it, it's about the size of a deck of cards once you put yeah. the case on it. Yeah. So the, these were originally designed for like the maker community for for students, students yeah. uh, as a really low cost computer, and um, but because everything about it is all open source, the community itself has created all kinds of amazing apps and useful applica- useful tools that you can use with it. Uh, you know, we both have set up uh, the RetroPie which is a, a fantastic emulation system that you can install pretty much any video game console we've ever had. ColecoVision, Intellivision, Atari, Nintendo, Sega, Neo Geo, the list goes on. Yeah. And, you and can, just old arcade games as well. Yeah, and you can completely customize your experience with it. And you can plug it into your TV, you can plug it into a monitor, you can put it in an arcade cabinet. There's so many different uses for it, and it's so inexpensive. I also have one uh, where I've... Uh, put software on called Kodi, K-O-D-I. It's like a home theater software. So it can actually uh, control all the TV and movies that you have, uh, you know, sitting on your network or on a computer and play it on your big screen TV. Yeah, and basically you can plug a hard drive into it as well and you can store all your movies on there and play it all from your TV. And if you have uh, multiple Raspberry Pis in your house, you have Kodi installed, say, in the bedroom as well as in the living room. You only need to have your software in one place or your 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 video content in one place or music as well. And you can actually have all the other Raspberry Pis connect to it and play it all locally. Nothing's going out to the cloud. It's all in your house. Well, so the new one's cool too because it's got in built-in Bluetooth. It has built-in Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi AC, so it's, you're going to get a fast Wi-Fi connection to it. The Bluetooth is nice because 
you can buy like a third-party Bluetooth remote control if you're going to use it for like a, a home theater. Or thing. or a, a, a wireless Bluetooth controller. You can even pair an Xbox controller with it as well. You don't have to have an Xbox. Oh, you can just I buy an Xbox think, controller. I didn't, I didn't even think of that. I got yeah. Xbox controllers all over the place here. Yeah, you can pair them with the Raspberry Pi software. Um, I actually use uh, the Raspberry Pis for a couple other non-emulation systems stuff. Uh, I use it for a VPN. They have a Pi VPN. You can, if you just Google that. Which you used when we were in China. I did. So I was able to connect back to my Raspberry Pi at home and use that to bypass the Chinese firewall. Where I couldn't use Facebook, but you could. That's right. Yeah, because you're uh, clever and you have a little mini computer at your house. That's right. And it, the nice thing is, is these these don't take any hardly any power at all. They also have something called Open Media Vault, which allows you to basically create a basically your own cloud system. So you plug a hard drive into this thing or a thumb drive or even just a um, an SD card and you can store whatever you want on it and you can make it accessible outside of your house. You can make it uh, accessible within your house. You can plug in other different applications to this particular software. And I even have mine doing my time machine backups now on my MacBook uh, because it has a, the open protocol for the uh, time machine. So I can just plug in uh, an external hard drive. Whoa, into- whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's awesome. So I can do I can set up a little Raspberry Pi. Yeah. Plug in an external hard drive here at my house. Yeah. And because it's connected to my network and wirelessly as well. Yeah. Uh, the kids, a couple of them have Apple MacBooks. My wife does as well. Yep. And it can just automatically, automatically back them up. And it's all local in your house. Uh, Nothing's going on to okay, the cloud. After the show here, we're going to do this. All right. I think that's cool. But you know, also you can run Raspbian, which is uh, like a, a Windows desktop. It's a full Linux desktop experience. The the really great thing is they the the specific new version that just came out for the Raspberry Pi 4 is called Buster. And you can actually download a version of it. It's only a couple of gigabytes. It comes preloaded with so much software. They have everything from programming and coding for kids. They have your full office suite. It's called LibreOffice. And it's- I tried it. It's yeah. really good. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Minecraft. And Minecraft yeah. and uh, all kinds of different uh, media player software like uh, VLC, which we use on lots of different devices. So yeah, all you do then is hook it up to a monitor or yeah. two because you've got two connections, uh, a keyboard and a mouse. Which you can just plug in a Bluetooth uh, wireless keyboard and mouse, you know, or one of those ones that has the, the keyboard with a little trackpad. So it's like perfect for a home theater and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, if you get a chance, check out canakit.com. That's uh, C A N A. KIT.com. They've got all sorts of great bundles and all sorts of accessories for these things uh, that you can set up and run all sorts of fun apps and programs. The sky's the limit on here. Yeah, and, and it's so cheap. Just Google Raspberry Pi and you'll see thousands, if not millions, of projects people have put together for it. When we come back from the break, John's going to give us our favorite app of the week. You're listening to the App Show here on the Course Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with the App Show. I think we just have time for one more app, John, and I'm going to give it to you. This is John's favorite app of the week. Yeah, this is a really neat little app. Uh, it's called Polar Steps, and it tracks your travels on a map, which at you know first glance is like, well, so does Google. But what this does is when you're actually out in the world, say you're on a trip or you know traveling somewhere exotic, like you know we've been really lucky lately. We've been doing some traveling and going to some pretty cool places. This particular app... Um, tracks your route and places that you visited while you're traveling. You just carry the phone in your pocket, tracks everything, and it will actually create a photo book from your travels. It'll stitch all your photos that you take into this thing. You can go in and edit it all, and then you can actually get it printed afterwards. That's pretty cool. That sounds really great. What's it called again? It is called Polar Steps. Polar Steps. Yeah. Cost? Free. 
That's all the time we have left for the app show this week. I really want to thank uh, you for tuning in. I want to thank John for helping me out today. And, uh, of course, Patrick O'Rourke from Mobile Syrup for calling in as well. This is Mike and John signing off for the app show. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.